Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. Wasn't it nice to be able to get your jacket out or a sweater or something like dust that blow the dust off of it and put that on this morning? It's so nice to have a nice, cool morning. We are so glad you are with us. I'm so excited to be able to share this message with you this morning. We've been in a series for a couple of weeks now called The Big Give, and we love this series every year because it's our opportunity to really do something generous and beautiful in the name of Jesus to our community, and I hope that you have planned on, if you haven't, maybe you will plan on doing it during the service today, be a part of what God is doing through our church today, and so this is kind of a commitment Sunday, so just to let you know, we're going to make a, give you an opportunity at the end to be able to be a part of what God's doing through our place. Now, we started the whole series with a question, that question that maybe you have asked yourself before. When we look at all the problems in our world, our nation, our state, um, we, we've asked this question, you've probably asked this before, what difference can I really make? What difference can our family really make in light of such huge, daunting problems? And we could even say, what difference can one church really make, right? But Jesus comes along, as we saw in week one of the series, in the Sermon on the Mount, we unpacked what he meant by this, but he said, hey, listen, if you're my follower and, and I'm a part of your life, I'm calling you my salt and light in this world. Now, what does salt and light have in common? They are both elements that have power disproportionate to their size. They, they make a much bigger difference to the overall flavor, seasoning, or you know, um, illumination of the room or the space or the area that they are in. As a matter of fact, Jesus goes so far as to say that if I'm a part of your life, there is a shining, there is a influence, there is an impact that I want to make through your life. It's not going to be you, it's going to be me through you. It's a power that I'm going to display in you that is going to impact far beyond what you thought was possible. As a matter of fact, he compared us to a town that was built up on a hill. Now, the word, I love the word built because it implies intentionality. Like where you are in your life, God intentionally handpicked that place, this time at history, in history, in this place, in all of the geographical location. He wants you to be here because you are a town built on a hill. And he says that kind of a town cannot be hidden. Like it is intended to make a difference. And this is what he's saying to us, that I want you to make a difference. And in the series, we're really hoping, this is our desire, this is what our intention is, to make a statement to our community. In a day when everybody's talking about the problems, we're deciding, hey, we're going to be a part of the solution. And it's not our solution, it's God's solution, but we're just stepping up saying, God, use us, please. And what's beautiful is every time somebody does like, something like that, a prayer like that in Scripture throughout history, God chooses to use people like that that make themselves available to him. And so this morning, before we dive into this passage we're going to be looking at where Paul is going to be protégéing his young, um, you know, mentor, mentee, I should say, the young pastor named Timothy that he's speaking to that's in this town called Ephesus, this city, you know, thriving metropolis, but he's got this young church there, and 
uh, Paul is really trying to help him to see, I've got some specific things that I need to tell you so that you will tell them that will help these, these people in this town. And there's some application for us today. Now, before I dive into that, I want to ask you a question. Um, I bet you have probably known somebody that you would say, now that guy or that girl is rich. They have a lot of stuff, right? Um, when, um, I, I, here's a question I want you to think about. When are rich people the hardest to be around? Okay? If you could give a rich person, when like they do something that really gets on your nerves, it kind of makes you a little crazy, like if you could give them one piece of advice, what would be the thing that you would say, hey, look, we would all be better off if you wouldn't do this, okay? Be thinking about that because we're gonna dive into this passage and Paul's about to address that issue. But really, in this whole teaching that we're gonna look at in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, Paul is going to address this larger issue of the great deception of wealth. And maybe you have never thought about this idea that wealth and things and stuff can be deceiving and deceptive in our life. It can lead us in directions and places that we never intended, never wanted, and can deteriorate the really good things that God is trying to do in our life. So, without further ado, let's dive into 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to start with verse 17, and here's how Paul begins to talk to Timothy about this particular group in his church. He says, command those who are, let's read the highlighted words together, who are Rich, maybe a little bit louder. Who are? Rich. All right, there we go. In this present world, do not be arrogant. arrogant. Aren't you like, oh my gosh, how do you know? 2,000 years ago, Paul nailed it. Isn't that kind of like get on your nerve when, when rich people act arrogant? And this is what he's talking about. But let's qualify what he's talking about here. Because I know when we look at rich, we're thinking, wow. I'm glad some of these people are here today because he's talking to some of y'all out there, but not me, you know, like, um, right? But let's talk about rich for a second because he qualifies what he means by this. He says, in this present world, rich in this present world, not rich among your friend group or rich in your community or your neighborhood or even your church, but rich according to this present world in the global economy of all things. Now, last week I shared with you the median income in our country as of the end of 2021 was $45,760. So if you make a combined income at your house, and I, I would bet most of you probably do, of that or more, if you're even at that level, we're told that that is, you are the top richest 1.9% of planet Earth if you're at 45,000. Now, some of you are going, I make that much, and I got news for you. You're not going to feel rich when you get here, okay? Um, but here's the astounding thing. If you make even $3,000 a year total income, you're in the top Half, like you're, you're richer than more than half of the world. Over half of the 7.8 billion people on planet Earth, over half of them would look at you and say, you're rich. You're richer than us. You got way more than we do. That's crazy, isn't it? But in this present world, the vast majority, I would say pretty much all of us would say, yeah. I, and I tell you that, because I'm not trying to make you feel shameful or guilty or anything. I'm just trying to help you to feel included 
in who Paul is talking about right here. So, I mean, maybe it needs to be said that because congratulations is in order to some of you. You did not know this walking in here this morning, but way to go. You're rich. Wow. You are rich. That's wonderful. You've never, you didn't know that. You had never thought about it before, but you're like, wow, I don't feel rich, but I, evidently I am. And that's the crazy thing about rich is that we talk ourselves out of it because we don't feel rich, and we don't feel rich because we know what everybody else has, right? Because of social media, we know a lot of people who are richer, so we think, well, compared to them, I'm certainly not rich, so we don't think we're rich, but we really are. As a matter of fact, next week, the little side, a little preview for next week, next week we're going to, in the message, we're going to give you a test. There's a test that God is going to give each rich person they're going to have to take. The question is, do you pass? Do I pass? We're going to talk about this next week. So please make plans to be here. This will really help to be able to, and it frees you up to know whether this is hanging you up in your life or not. So Paul is throwing down a challenge, a warning. He's saying the deceitfulness of wealth will creep its way in and create a temptation in your life, and you won't even know that it happens. And here's the temptation. The temptation is that the more that you make, the greater the deception to feel superior to others. And I know you read that and you go, well, that's for somebody else, that's not me. Because I really believe everybody's equal in the eyes of God. That's wonderful, amen. That, that'll preach, that is like gospel truth, right? It's true. But th we have to admit, there is this ugly thing deep down inside of us that can happen. It doesn't mean it has to happen, but it can happen when people begin to amass wealth, when they start to have more and more, that when your income level and you're around somebody else, it's way below you, it's easy, without you even realizing it happens, we start to look down our nose sometimes. We start to think less than, and we would maybe never say it out loud, we'd never recognize it, but it happens. It is what Paul would call arrogance. There's an arrogance that happens when we begin to equate what's on the outside with what's on the inside. What we own, what we have, where we travel to, what we can photograph and post on social media, and we, everybody can look at it. There is a false Conclusion, a false narrative, a false philosophy of our culture today that says somehow if you get the right stuff, you get the right things, you get enough of it, it will really make you feel good down on the inside. And because you don't feel good, because you haven't gotten the right stuff or enough of it, and if you just would, then you would be okay. But you need to understand today, we have to recognize that is a lie. It is a part of the deceitfulness of wealth. It is a lie that we're sold over and over and over in commercials and advertisements in our culture today, and it is false. And Paul's calling it what it is. It's a lie. Now, our financial worth is not and never will be our actual worth, and I can prove it to you. If you lost everything today, God forbid, right? None of us want that to happen. If you lost everything today, you would still be the same person on the inside. You would still be you, even without all the stuff. But we have to remember when we are falling prey to the comparison game, 
And it happens a lot of the time when we're looking at what everybody else has got, and we're looking at social media, and we're talking to a friend, and, you know, and we'll find ourselves saying, maybe I need to get, and maybe we can refinance, and, or we can trade in, and we can trade up, and we can have more, and that would be so cool, wouldn't it? And let's just, we buy more, have more. And in those moments, we need to stop, go to the mirror, and say, you are being deceived. <laughs> I am being deceived. Right? We got to stop and we got to own it. And, 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 and to know that this is just stuff that we have. It is not who we are. We have a culture. We have a day in which that we live that we are inculcated. We are taught. We are saturated with the messaging that you can have. Your life will be better. There's so many beautiful images of people who have stuff that we don't have. We think, I want that life. I want to live like that. Because it promises us some, some weird version of salvation that if we, we will be saved from the, the torment, the frustration, the hurt, the, the anguish, the stress, the insecurity that we face every single day, if we just had enough money, we had enough stuff, we had enough things. And nobody wants to admit it, but this is the reality of the world that we live in. And Paul says, let's call it what it is. It's arrogance. It is an entitlement that says we, we are owed this. We ought to have it. If we can, we should. Paul's saying, hold up, pump the brakes. That is not the goal. That is not the objective. The purpose, the meaning of your life is not found there. You want to know where that arrogance comes from? He's going to tell us in the very next part of this same verse. He's, he, remember, he tells Timothy, tell, I want you to command those rich people who are rich in this, this present world not to be arrogant, nor, here's what he says, nor to put their, let's say it together, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. This wealth, when you start to lean on it, it's gonna, oh, it's, it's gonna move on you it's going gonna, it's gonna to be untrustworthy. And there is this crazy temptation to put our confidence in our wealth. And when we put our confidence in our wealth, it, we want to try to trust in it for stability and security. But guess what? And we see this. There's so much evidence for this in our culture. So many research studies that have been done that at every income level, if you ask the people, how much do you need to be finally secure, finally at peace, finally be able to like, all right, that's enough. It's quite a bit more than they have. It's more than they currently have. We tend to lean there for security, but there is no security there to be found. And I, I just want to um, bounce now to the Old Testament, King Solomon of the Old Testament, because he was a thousand years before Paul ever wrote Timothy. He writes these incredibly wise words. Now, just a little background on Solomon. He was the son of David. Incredible in terms of one of the most wealthy and successful kingdoms, not just of Israel's history, but of all time. In today's wealth, he has been estimated he would be worth somewhere around, just him personally, not his whole kingdom, but just him personally, somewhere around $2.1 trillion today. We got a lot of billionaires today, but no trillionaires that I'm aware of. Um, yeah, Solomon knew something about having a lot of stuff, okay? But here's what he says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 11. I love this. 
He says, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. Think about, imagine in your mind a city with a tall wall, kind of like a fort, fortified. It is, it is surrounded, ensconced, encircled with this huge high wall inside. And he's talking about wealth. He's saying there's the same kind of an idea that wealth kind of gives us a feeling that we're safe in here. We're, we're okay. We're insulated from the world. We don't have to deal with common people problems because we got all this stuff. It kind of keeps us from that. And he goes on to say, they, let's say this word together, they imagine it a wall too high to scale. But he makes it, makes it clear, this is not real, it's imaginary. In, in other words, money gives the emotional illusion, I'm finally, whoo, safe. I finally got enough, and I'm good. And Paul is saying, if you're waiting for that day to come, it will never, ever get here. Ever. Scientifically speaking, do you know how much money you need to finally feel financially secure? More than you currently have. That is always the answer to that question. It's so funny how this kind of research has been done over years and generations, and it doesn't ever stop. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. If even people that were making into the millions, they still need more to feel okay and to feel secure and to feel like, okay, we're good. But Paul is saying the great deception of wealth is tainting our mind. It is it is contaminating our thoughts. It is that wealth will provide security and peace, but that's not how it will, works. If you don't feel secure, then this is what culture will tell you. You just need more. You need to stack up more. You want to accumulate more. But Paul is telling Timothy. He's warning them. He's saying, tell those rich people. And who's the rich people? That's us, right? Tell those people who are making more, they have more than most in this present world, you're searching for security in a place where security will never be found. If you're putting your hope, your trust, your leaning on, your faith is in your stuff for security and hope and peace, and like I'm gonna, that's where I'm gonna have security, financial security. That, that is a, figment of our imagination that somehow that a dollar amount is going to give you psychologically the thing or spiritually the thing that is missing currently the freedom is in all of this is that it doesn't matter how much you make god is allowing you to access what he has available at any income level now, this is beautiful. The opposite is also true. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10, about a thousand years again before Paul writes to Timothy, so roughly 3,000 years ago, this is beautiful insight. Again, this wealthy King Solomon, he writes, whoever loves money never has, let's say it together, never has enough. And by loves, he means they lean on it. They trust in it. They look to it for security and for peace. Whoever loves wealth, and he's saying in another way, is never, let's say it together, is never satisfied with their income. Wow, how did he know that all those years ago? Because he was paying attention. He's watching what was happening in his own heart. He was talking to people. He saw it. See, it doesn't matter 
How much? You could be making $2.1 trillion and you still worry about it. You still are concerned. You still think about it way too much. Paul is saying there's a way to break free of this deception, to get free of this deceitfulness of wealth. And he addresses it in the very next part of verse 17. Again, warning those rich people, but to put their, let's say it together, put their hope in God. Could it be that simple? Yes, Paul says it is. But nobody, or not, not many, are willing to do this. And it's important to remember, he's not talking to unbelievers. He's not talking to people outside the church. He's talking to people on the inside of the church. These are people who were churchgoers. These were people who would cry during the worship. People who were fully engaged. That you've asked, if you asked, they would say, yes, I love God. I want to live for him. And he's saying, but you're falling prey to the deceitfulness of wealth. And it happened to them, it will happen to us, it is happening to us in places where we might not even want to admit it. But we've got to look ourselves in the mirror and say, listen, this is happening and we need to call it what it is. And be willing to say, God, help me to begin to put my hope in you, trust you, instead of what has been happening in my heart. He's throwing this warning out, don't accidentally over time, put your hope in wealth instead of in your God. Because if that happens, it will begin to wreck what God is wanting to do in your life. And it can happen to us without even realizing it. Now, if we were to say, okay, thank you, Paul, for saying that. That's great. Let's turn to Jesus. If we were to ask Jesus, what is the number one competitor for our heart, Jesus? Who would you say, like, what was the thing that, like, our heart is most prone to, to compete or, or to move towards this instead of God. Well, Jesus actually answers this question over in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, he goes, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and, let's say it together, and money, right. Now, isn't that fascinating? Of all the things that Jesus could have said here, he could have said God and evil, God and Satanism, or, sa or sat Satan himself, or he could have said God and atheism, or agnosticism, he could have said God and power, God and sex, fame, popularity, but no. Jesus says the number one competitor for our hearts is money. No matter how old, how, how wise you grow in this world and in this life, Every single day of our life, every single day of my life, there is going to be a tug. Now, it can become weaker over time, especially if we resist, but there will be a tug to want to move towards and put faith in and trust in and to desire the things and the stuff and the income levels that we don't currently have. We think, if I could just have, then it'd be okay. And then I would feel better about me and life would be so much better. It's, a it's the deceitfulness of wealth. It is the great deception that money will compete every day of our lives. So here's um, the only way to combat it. Remind yourself that the only place where real security and hope is found is in God. It is in God. Placing your faith in Him. And this is what Paul was trying to help them to see, that look, there's freedom in this to place your faith in him. 
and to allow him to help you to be generous and, and, and learn to be giving and to help and assist other people who are in need. But trusting your wealth makes you not good at being rich, but it makes you insecure. It makes you stressed out. It makes you a really bad, rich person. This is what Paul is getting at here. And he ends this verse 17 by saying this. Again, command those rich people, don't put their hope in wealth, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our, let's say it together, our enjoyment. And this is so important for you to understand. That you don't need to feel guilty or ashamed of God blessing you. God's in charge of blessing you. You're not in charge of blessing you. God is in charge of blessing you. Now, once you're blessed, once you have been blessed with more than you need, then God's asking you to be generous with what you have. You see, God provides for you in order to bring joy to your life. He wants there to be joy. He wants, you, he wants to bless you. He loves his kids. He gives you good things because he loves you. He wants to bless you and your family. Yes, but it isn't putting hope in things that he's hoping you to do, but to put your hope in him. But because the moment that we begin to place our faith in the things, we miss out on the one who provided the things. We miss the joy. We, our, 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 our hands begin to close in on the gift and we choke out the enjoyment. Never replace the giver with the gift, right? Don't, don't, this happens so much of the time that God has blessed us with stuff and people become so preoccupied with the stuff that they forget the giver. They forget the gift, the giver of the stuff. The, the, the Jehovah Jireh, the God who provided, he was the provider. And we even fool ourselves into thinking that we're the provider. It's a deception, a part of the deceitful, deceitfulness of wealth. So, how are you to know where you are trusting? How do you know whether it's God or money? Where, where are you putting your trust? Here's a great question to ask. Does the fear of not having enough hinder you from giving generously or to give big? You're like, I want to give big, but I'm scared. I'm worried. Because here's, here's part of that statistical reality, that the more that you have, the harder it is to give generously. This is a crazy enigma of our country that people who make far, far less are percentage-wise much, much more generous with their income. People who make far more are very stingy with their income because there's, there's some kind of a process in their mind of thinking, but what if something happens, Will? What if something happens, and I might need that in the future? I don't know for sure, but I might need that. And if I give it away and I try to help somebody, then I, what happens if I need it? And, and we've all had that question sometimes, right? Let me ask you a question. Who controls what happens? This part of the sermon is very interactive. I want you to say it out loud. Who controls what happens? Just say it out loud. Okay, thank you. I'm so glad you said that and not something else. Okay. <laughs> That would have been really awkward. All right. Yes, God, of course. Will money ever ultimately control what happens in your life? No. So why are we trusting in it? Why are we leaning on it? Why are we trying to derive hope and security and peace from it? 
It is the great deception of wealth. It is so deceitful. We have to be so careful to watch out because it promises in a subtle but yet insidious way a salvation to you. It promises to be a savior, but it is not a savior. It is so uncertain, as Paul says. It will move on you. It will collapse under you. It will destroy the relationships that you hold dear. It will destroy the the core of who you are because you put your trust in something that cannot uphold the weight of a human soul. Only God says he can do that. The only place to find salvation is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, I can hold that weight up and I can do it easy all day long with my little pinky, right? I got this. I'm all powerful. I'm omniscient and I'm omnibenevolent. In other words, I'm, I, I'm all loving as well. I love you and I'm opening this door for you to come and be a part of the relationship with me. God says you can put your hope in me who richly provides everything for your enjoyment. He wants it to be for your joy. Now, this, ladies and gentlemen, is how you are to be rich. This is how you are good at being rich, is learning to trust in him and learning how to not live in the fear of scarcity, but learning how to live with generosity wherever you are. And this is what the big give is all about. It is literally a celebration of generosity. It's helping us to get back to what did God originally, what kind of relationship did he want us to have with money and stuff? Because the default spot of our world today is not trusting in God it is trusting in things and in achievements and amassing stuff but the communication that we're trying to have with our culture and our our society our, our, our community if you will is to let people know everybody matters to God whether God matters to them or not because that is the message that Jesus gave to people wherever he went So we are choosing to give, no strings attached, to three organizations that are in alike alignment with us, with the gospel, and in their approach to ministry and our community, and they all are meeting strategic needs of women in our society that are hurting and need our help. Aggieland Pregnancy Outreach, Young Pregnant Mothers, um, Hope Gathering, we've got... um, um, Tammy Glasgow and uh, Cindy Betcher with us this morning, incredible leaders of this amazing ministry to widows. It is blowing up <laughs> all over, not just in the state of Texas, but all over the U.S., and it's incredible. I'd love for you to go by and talk to them this morning. They're here with us to be able to answer questions and be able to share with you what's happening. And finally, Unbound, we had Katie Humphreys with us last week that are helping rescue the survivors out of human trafficking. And you wouldn't think that would be happening here in the Brazos Valley, but it is. And we are wanting to come alongside them and help them. And it's incredible to see how God is using these incredible leaders to make a difference in the world. So here's our goal. We don't have a dollar amount goal. It's a participation goal. We're just saying 100% participation. We want everybody to do something. Everybody can do something. You can give something to the big give. And when you know, and here's how you know uh, that when you give to the big give, we are gonna give 100% of it away. We're giving 100% of it away that is marked the big give. So I just wanna encourage you this morning There are three ways to be able to give to it. You can give cash or check, and there's an envelope in the seat back in front of you. 
Uh, you can put that in the envelope and you can drop it in the uh, blue connect and give boxes on the way out uh, this morning. Uh, or you can text the word big give, all one word, to 97000. We will send you a link and you can give that way. Or you can go to our website, brazosfellowship.com, brazosfellowship.com, and you'll see right there on our homepage, there's a big old uh, button right there. It just says Big Give, the Big Give. You just click on that, and it'll take you right to the giving portal, and you can give that way. That's actually how Leslie and I did it this morning. So we tested this out. I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not asking all my, we're not doing and our staff's doing. This is something we're all doing together. So I encourage you to let God show you what the faith-stretching amount is that he wants to do through you to make a difference in the Brazos Valley um, starting today. And it's an incredible way to just begin giving. If you've never given before, it's a great time to jump in. Um, but let me just say this. To those of you who have never asked Christ into your heart, you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you, today could be that day where you open your heart up and say, God, I want forgiveness from sin. I want to know what it's like to be cleansed clean, fresh in a relationship with you and that's what Jesus offers he came so that we might be forgiven would you today, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer to be able to do this but just to say, Jesus I'm asking you to forgive my sin, cleanse me from all unrighteousness and to be the leader of my life from this day forward I want to be a part of your family I want to walk with you and I want to have an eternal eternal relationship with you that will last into heaven forever and ever that is open and available to us today why wouldn't we take advantage of that i want to encourage you in this prayer to be able to take advantage of that but here is our prayer that i want to ask you to pray everybody together it's just simply saying god help me to stop putting my hope in wealth for security but in you who richly provides everything for us you are the only savior that can deliver you're it if you would, right now, let's bow together in prayer. Go before the Lord and ask him to use us to make a difference while we have the opportunity. God, I thank you so much for your love. God, I pray for every person in this room right now. You're moving on our heart to say, listen, it's time for you to stop trusting in your stuff and your things. I want you to learn how to give like your stuff is not in control of you. I want you to learn how to give like I am in control of you and that I am in control of what happens in this world and I will take care of you. I am the God that provides. Do you believe that today? Do you trust that? Or do you trust in things, stuff, money, wealth? It's so easy. It can happen so easy over time where we're all we're worried about is losing and not having enough. Scarcity. It will consume our minds, our hearts. It will become the blockade that keeps us from following and obeying God into the beautiful places He wants to lead us. Right now, all across this room, if you would be willing to say, I'm saying yes to God, and I, I, I'm willing to take that step of generosity, I'm willing to take the step of giving with him today. It doesn't matter how much it is, it doesn't matter what, what it is, would you be willing to say yes to that today? Would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you right now. If you're saying yes to that prayer, God, thank you for the hands going up all across the room in the balcony and the floor. 
God, thank you for those of you watching this online. Would you just give God your yes right now? Thank you, Lord, for the hands. Thank you, God, for speaking to our hearts today. I pray, God, that we would not just say yes, but we would do yes. We would move in that direction. We would act in faith. We would put our hope and trust in you as we give generously. Give a faith-stretching amount. You may put your hands down. God, I pray for every person who could hear my voice that would say, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. I don't know where I stand with God, but I want to be his child. I want to be in right relationship with God. I want to know him. That is the cry of my heart. And if that is the cry of yours, would you just pray this prayer right where you sit? Say, God, I want you in my life. Jesus, I I realize that is the reason why you came, so that we might know you. And you came to lay down your life for our life to be saved. You came to give your life for ours. And right now, would you just tell him, I'm asking you to forgive my life, forgive my sin, and come into my life. I'm turning from that sin. I'm turning to you. I'm trusting you for forgiveness, for salvation. Would you tell Jesus that right now? I'm turning from my sin, and I'm turning to you, Jesus. All the things I've ever done, said, or even thought that go against you, transgress your law, we must be forgiven of that to be right with you. Would you just tell him, I'm asking for forgiveness, that you would be the Lord of my life right here, right now. If you just ask Jesus to forgive your sin and be the Lord of your life, would you just lift your hand right now? Just saying, Will, that's me. God bless you, buddy, right there. Anybody else giving my life over to Jesus Christ right back here? God bless you. Thank you for opening up your heart to Jesus. Anybody else giving it all over to Christ today? Hold nothing back. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for speaking to us. Thank you for working in our lives. Thank you for being the miracle working Savior of the universe. And you came for us to set us free. We praise you for it. We pray all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Please don't forget to give on your way out. And we will see you guys next week. Well, have have a wonderful week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.